Hey JD Tribe, and welcome to another episode of the Self-Care Spotlight, brought to you by the Journal Deck and our Self-Care Collective online membership, which is open for memberships at just $15 a month for monthly moon yoga classes, meditation, visualization, journaling worksheets, astrology, mood music, coaching calls, exclusive discounts, a special podcast episode, and bonuses. January's theme is nourishment. Join 39 other women and say yes to sustainable self-care and your radiance for 2018. Watch the about video at thejournaldeck.com forward slash self-care collective. I'm your host and founder, Alyssa Cousins. So you know how everyone talks about finding your word for the new year? Well, when I sat down to do mine, I came up with three words and a phrase. I want to feel radiance, alignment, and spaciousness. And my phrase is have more by doing less, which I talked about, I think back on episode 37 it was. So I pulled... All of those, you know, feelings and words and the phrase, I pulled from a mixture of two different books. One, The Desire Map by Daniel Laporte, and The One Thing by Gary Keller with Jay Papasam. I will have both of these, of course, listed in the show notes. I used to actually be a Desire Map facilitator which is based on the book, The Desire Map. (laughs) So discovering my, what she calls your core desired feelings or how I want to feel every day on a soul level, that process came more naturally to me. And you can really, you know, as I said, find more out about that book and the system that I'm referencing with core desired feelings in the show notes. But at the end of 2017, I read this other book, and it's called The One Thing, The Surprisingly Simple Truth Behind Extraordinary Results. And I even, you know, went on my personal Instagram and was like reading from it. It just really inspired my phrase, have more by doing less for 2018. And Honestly, I've already started incorporating that phrase into this year by letting things go to find focus and thus find alignment and feel radiant. And honestly, probably like a lot of you, which again, I just did a podcast episode on being multi-passionate, as a multi-passionate person myself, who also happens to have, (laughs) of course, a very dynamic and multidimensional business. And I wear a lot of different hats. I mean, I have, I teach locally in Pittsburgh yoga and meditation classes. I, you know, run an annual retreat. I even have a little book club that I run locally. I have this podcast. I have the Self-Care Collective online membership. I, of course, have the Journal Deck product. There's truly a lot of hats that I'm wearing, you know, getting down onto the little details of being like the lead marketer and doing all the design and the social media and the emails 
and looking at finances. I mean, I wear a lot of hats. This business I have is very multidimensional, probably because I'm such a multi-passionate person. And yet I also have a personal life and I am getting married this year. I just got engaged as pretty much most of you guys probably know who follow all of this. Uh, I got engaged on Christmas. So this book, The One Thing, I felt extremely called to this book's concept. So today I want to break it down kind of like a, a little faux book club. And I want to tear down something that I have been calling the balance fallacy for years now, which directly relates to this book, to my personal aim for 2018, and some wisdom that I think we all need to hear, especially as women, as humans in this society, in this culture of quote-unquote having it all. And, And what does that really mean? So in the book, The One Thing, Gary Keller, the author, this is like the big hook here. He says that every day you should be asking yourself the question, what's the one thing I can do such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary. What's the one thing I can do such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary? That stopped me in my tracks. If you're listening to this right now, maybe in your car, you know, at your house, taking some notes. That stopped me in my tracks. I was reading it on my couch and it was really early in the morning. I got into a new practice, which I've gotten away from and I'd like to come back to because it made me feel all the ways that I want to feel, the spaciousness and the alignment and the radiance. And that was waking up early at like six o'clock so that I could read or journal before I started my day. And I've gotten away from it, like to get back to it, but I was doing that pretty consistently after I got back from Portugal, after I got back from Madeira, Portugal in November through December. And I was sitting on my couch early in the morning and I read that statement. What's the one thing I can do such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary? And he even goes down and breaks it down in terms of that entire statement. He he breaks it down point by point, word by word. I'm not going to spoil the whole book for you. I would never want to do that. But he breaks it down. And when I read it, it just hit a nerve with me. I realized that that phrase that I'm referencing, have more by doing less, and especially the word spaciousness they just they came to me you know it was like a flash and I realized that this book was really gonna hit home because I do so much and I feel so pulled in so many different directions and I constantly find myself feeling scatterbrained and where where should I be focusing today or this week or this month or even this year especially at the beginning of a year, which is why I wanted to do this episode now at, you know, in January. And 
I don't know. It just, if you are like me, hearing that statement, you know, getting asked that question, I really had to think about it. I had to sit down. I suggest like literally writing that statement out and thinking about, you know, what's the one thing I can do such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary. And just like I'm repeating it to you now, I had to keep repeating it to myself and write it down and really look at it. And, you know, be honest with myself. Like, what are those things that I could be doing for the year as a pool, you know, pulling out focus that would make everything easier or unnecessary? And even on the day-to-day level, which he breaks down how to do that too. And I'll talk about that. But if you're being honest with yourself, you do get the answers. If you give it the time, you do get the answers. They do come up. And they kind of have been there the whole time. You maybe just have been ignoring them like I was. And one of the biggest questions that, or I guess one of the biggest answers that came to me was that I needed to do the self-care collective online membership. And I talked a lot about that. You know, I was really honest in the Facebook groups and the especially in the live sessions, I would talk about how that idea to do this online membership really came to me. It was coming to me from all angles. It came to me in meditations. It came to me, you know, by being gifted this book by a fellow entrepreneur. I won the book. It's so funny in an Instagram contest. And then I didn't pick the book up for a couple months. It was just sitting there. I thought it was just another stupid like business book. Like I wouldn't resonate with it. You know, it kind of looks a little masculine. It's like white and red and black is the theme. And I thought, that's not for me. You know, way too businessy. <laughs> not enough woo-woo. It's it's too much. Like, it's probably really serious and I won't like it. But I had needed a book. And, of course, it came to me at the right time. And the meditation, you know, things started, downloads, as I call them, started coming to me. And one of the answers to that question of what could I do to make life easier and make other things also unnecessary was to do the self-care collective. And that if I had this robust, beautiful online community with paid memberships, I could really focus my talents, my skills, my energy into this online platform that I could take with me anywhere. It's really important to me to, I've always talked about wanting to travel and having freedom Talking about core desired feelings, that was a core desired feeling for me for a long time was freedom. So that's still important. And the idea of having this online platform, instead of running around like a crazy person trying to teach a lot of classes locally in my hometown, it felt like I was getting really run down. So I've already started implementing the practices here of this book, The One Thing, by paring things down. And building this online platform and actually going out and launching it. And once this idea from this book hooked on to me, I ran with it. And you guys know I launched the Self-Care Collective January 1st and it was really successful. And I have, you know, 38 women in rising that are there and blows my mind. But at the same time, I know that I focused my energy so much. I focused on the one thing. I made the SCC my one thing for that amount of time. And it worked. It's so 
worked. He says that you can think of like a tiny dot, a bullseye, and think of that as the small focus. The what's my one thing right now? Like I just said, you know, the SCC was my one thing right now. And even currently speaking, as I'm recording this episode, the SCC is really important to me right now. And I am still focusing on building memberships. And eventually my one thing is going to turn into the deck number two. It's going to be, a you know, deck volume two coming out, not until later in the spring. But for right now, what's my one thing? And that's pretty much the SCC. And then surrounding that small, tiny bullseye is a larger circle. Like if you could imagine drawing a larger circle around it, that that's the big picture. Like that's your bigger vision. That's your one thing. So what's my one thing right now? Tiny dot. And then what's my one thing? Big overall vision. And noting that as I just alluded to, your one thing right now, that shifts. But the big picture, that stays longer. And in the book, he breaks down. I have my book here in front of me, so I'm literally, if you hear pages turning, that's me. I have here on on page 114 in the book, He talks about how you can implement this practice of asking yourself this vital question, this principle, into all of the different life areas. So what's the one thing I can do within my, you know, or what's the one thing I could do for my spiritual life such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary? Or what's the one thing I can do for my finances such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary? And he continues around the circle here and says, you know, for my business, for my job, for my key relationships, for my personal life, for my physical health. And he goes through and you could probably honestly just implement your own life areas that feel that they fit for you and just kind of constantly asking yourselves these questions. For example... You could go with um, even deeper, say the you know physical health. What's the one thing I can do to achieve my diet goals such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary? If you're really concerned about this new year, like eating better, maybe that's a question that you could ask yourself. I personally hate the word diet, but you know, it's just an example he gives. Uh, let's see. He says another one like for key relationships. What's the one thing I can do to improve my relationship with my partner such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary? Another example. Uh, Let's see here. What's the one thing I can do to make us more profitable? This is for a business realm. Such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary. Uh, Let's see. Finances. That's always a big one. What's the one thing I can do to eliminate my credit card debt such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary? So again, you can see how if you insert your own questions that fit your life, you can start to get a lot of answers that you can be asking yourselves this question every day, every week, every month, every year, etc. You know, to, to find 
focus. And that when you're focusing like this, you're really finding spaciousness, which, you know, as I said, is one of my words for this year. And you're tuning into alignment, another word for me. And then for me, that that's going to make me personally feel more radiant, which is my other word. And it's really, it's about paring down. And, you know, I guess the question might be, why did he even need to write this book? Or why do we even need a one thing, quote unquote? And to me, it's because we are way too damn distracted because we buy into the notion of having a perfectly balanced life and because we see multitasking as an enviable skill, like a badge of honor. I know I personally used to think that that was a really good quality to have, to be a strong multitasker. And I'm going to break these three points down that I just said. So in terms of talking about the distractions, that first point is really easy. You know, I said because we are too damn distracted. We're distracted by freaking everything. We are distracted by our phones, by Facebook, by Instagram, by our emails. I mean, at any given moment, something is trying to distract you. Honestly. It could it could be something as harmless as your oracle cards, <laughs> you know, sitting there and you wanting to go and do that instead of doing your one thing that really needs to get done today that will make you feel better and will make life easier. It could be something enjoyable like that, like reading a book. Uh, it could be something that you know is distracting, like, you know, the Facebook, which you hear all about how social media is so distracting. And that's why I have to, you know, turn on my do not disturb on my computer so that I don't get notifications when I really know that I need to focus, when I need to focus on my one thing, on the task that needs to get done that day. Distractions, that one's easy. We know that they're everywhere. That's a given. And then, of course, there's point number two. I said, why do we need the one thing? Because we buy into the notion of having a perfectly balanced life. And basically what I've always believed in something I've been talking about for a couple years now, even in my own programs, I called it the balance fallacy. But he, you know, talks about it as well. And he says, basically, there is no such thing as balance, that it's basically, it's bullshit, that it's not, it's not really a, a, a real attainable thing to be this perfectly balanced person having this perfectly balanced life in all of your life areas what he proposes and I love this term he said instead think of it as counterbalancing so I want to explain this a bit here on page 83 he talks about this idea and he says to think of having two balancing buckets as he calls them you have your work life bucket and you have your personal life bucket and you have both of these and you're trying to you know find counterbalancing really in them so within the work life bucket 
he says, in this particular one, you have to find, like, your one thing is going to be a focus for a while. Meaning, if you, like for me, I knew I was working on the SCC. I knew that was my one thing within my work bucket. I had to have, I mean, talk about being off balance. That counterbalance was, if you were thinking of it like a scale, the scale was way tipping on focusing on the SCC and other things like trying to, you know, do journal deck sales or even the podcast and different things. Those weren't as of highest priority for me. So that scale in the work bucket was so focused on my one thing of promoting the SCC and working on that. So that was way kind of the counterbalance was really swinging in one direction until it had to drastically will swing to, like I said, volume two deck, which will come out later on in the year. But then you have the personal life bucket. And he says for that one, you know, and I personally struggle with this a lot to keep my personal life bucket in check, that we have all these different life areas. And, you know, work might even kind of in a way be a somewhat a part of that personal life to me as I see it because your career is so involved. But you also have all of your relationships and your spirituality and all these other things that are in your life. And he says, you know, within that personal life bucket, you can't have that way out of balance counterbalancing scale thing happening where you're swinging in one life area really heavily and avoiding or just ignoring the others. That that will not work for a very long period of time, if at all. That it will implode. I've personally talked about how much I've struggled with that. I mean, within my relationship especially, but trying to keep that personal life bucket in check and not spend so much time on my work and my career, which is something that I love, you know, that's something that I'm constantly having to check on the counterbalancing there and having you have to sw- kind of shift back and forth in that counterbalancing much faster within the personal life bucket in all those little different areas. You can't be in one for too long compared to the work-life bucket where you can be really heavy in one project and you probably actually need to be to make beautiful, big, extraordinary results happen. I hope that that makes sense. So that's like breaking down this idea that balance isn't real, that it's really more about counterbalancing and breaking down the buckets, work-life, personal-life bucket, staying longer in the off counterbalance in the work bucket and then constantly having to shift within all the different areas in the personal life bucket. I, you know, had to ask myself what was really in alignment with my desired feelings, with my best interests in mind, with my students' best interests in mind, And with the idea of having more by doing less and the answers I have to say are just becoming really clear to me by honing in on this idea of the one thing and using it to find some semblance of quote-unquote balance in my life. Um, Not that it will ever be perfect balance, 
but I'm using this the one thing principle to focus and align my energies with what I really want and let go of this notion that balanced living is a real thing that I have to have otherwise it means I'm failing and I really liked this this notion it really reinforced my own beliefs in this balance fallacy that we have so I hope that that sticks with you and makes you feel better about what balance can look like for you at any given time the third point of why do we even need a one thing is because we see multitasking as an enviable skill. And there is a quote that is on page 44. And it says, Multitasking is merely the opportunity to screw up more than one thing at a time. It says by Steve Uzel. I freaking loved this quote. Multitasking is merely the opportunity to screw up more than one thing at a time. I thought that was absolutely amazing. Like so on point. It just, again, really hit home for me. I want you to think about, you know, okay, the term multitasking. He writes in the book. I'm reading right from the book here on page 45. Um, under a section called monkey mind, which we talk about even in yoga. He says, the concept of humans doing more than one thing at a time has been studied by psychologists since the 20s. But the term multitasking, it didn't arrive on the scene until the 60s. And here's the interesting point. It was used to describe computers, not people. In retrospect, they probably made a poor decision in word choice For the expression, multitasking is inherently deceptive. Multitasking is about multiple tasks alternately sharing one source, the CPU. But in time, the context was flipped and it became interpreted to mean multiple tasks being done simultaneously by one resource, aka a person. It was a clever turn of phrase that is misleading. For even computers can process only one piece of code at a time when they quote unquote multitask they are switching back and forth alternating their attention until both tasks are done they are not happening simultaneously the speed that which the computer tackles multiple tasks feeds the illusion that everything happens at the same time so comparing computers to humans can be confusing so essentially the computer is It cannot, you know, when you start clicking a million tabs and then your computer gets really slow and that little circle of spinning wheel of death starts to happen and nothing's going on on your computer, it's like you need to stop clicking because there's literally too many things that it's trying to process all at once and the computer cannot process more than one thing at a time. Despite the fact that you can have literally, you know, like they say, multiple tabs open on your browser. It can only process one thing at a time, but it just does it so fast compared to humans with our tasks 
that it appears that it's happening all at the same time, aka simultaneously, but it's not. The computer is switching back and forth alternately just really fast. So that blew my damn mind. Blew my mind. We are literally comparing ourselves to a piece of technology, to equipment, to a computer. And, you know, he goes on to talk about how, same thing with like juggling. You know, there's an illusion that it's all catching and throwing at the same time. But he says it's not. The juggler is in one moment catching a ball, in one moment throwing a ball. That he can't or she can't do it at the same time. Those actions are happening separately just really fast. But it gives the illusion that they're happening together at the same time. But they are not. So he says, you know, think of, you know, in terms of humans, yes, we can do... We can do small tasks like walking and chewing gum at the same time. But what happens when you are trying to watch TV and then someone starts to ask you some really serious questions? You can't focus, right? You might not even be able to hear what the person is asking you and might go, huh, what did you say? You heard them, but you didn't really process and truly listen because We need to focus. And the TV is really standing in the way of you being able to process such a serious thought-provoking question. Yet we compare ourselves and try to mimic in our daily lives a computer that is working so fast. It's really unfair to us to be doing this when multitasking is inherently a misleading, deceptive vocabulary word (laughs) for humans and even for computers. It's not really a correct word at all. I hope that that like lifts a a wait for you like it did for me and like an aha moment that multitasking isn't fair to put on ourselves and it doesn't actually make us better like the quote set like the quote says it literally just gives us an opportunity to screw up more than one thing at a time and me as like a recovering multitasker I'm seeing how it is not helpful to me or to the person I'm with or to who I'm trying to serve. Even if I'm on the phone and trying to grocery shop, you know, no bueno. It's not working. I feel very, I just feel distracted. I'm not giving either my fullest attention and it's not fair to the person I'm talking to. It's not conducive to getting things done faster despite the fact that we think it will I end up feeling like I take more time in the grocery store I feel like I have to keep saying I'm sorry what did you say and getting off the phone and feeling like I didn't really process the conversation I can't even remember what we talked about so whew like letting go of these ideas That balance, that perfect balance is real. And that multitasking is just, it's it's a lie. It is a lie and it is unfair to us and those who we serve and that we love to compare ourselves 
to computers when computers aren't even technically multitasking either. So overall, he says to use this principle, the one thing, as a guiding force in your life. That it's a way to live an extraordinary life. That the people who are living these big, beautiful lives, people that you look up to, that they are, whether they know it or not, are implementing the one thing into their lives. Be sure to check out this book, guys. I really think that it will totally rock your world. If it's calling to you and you've been shaking your head this entire time or scribbling down notes the entire time, please do yourself a favor. Go check this out in your local library. Go on to theonething.com. It's the and then the number one thing.com. I also have it in the show notes. You know, get on Amazon, buy the book, whatever. Go to your local bookstore. It will rock your world. If it's calling to you, just do yourself a favor and and buy it. Look up the resources on theonething.com and at the very least, ask yourself, what's the one thing I can do such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary? All right, guys. That is a wrap. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Self-Care Spotlight brought to you by the Journal Deck and our Self-Care Collective online membership where you can join 38 women in rising for sustainable self-care and living your truth. Find the details at thejournaldeck.com forward slash self-care collective. And if this podcast moved you in some way, I kindly ask you to rate and review it on iTunes so that we can continue to spread our mission. Your love and attention means the world to me. Until next time, I'm Melissa Cousins, signing off for the Journal Deck. Music by Lee Rosevere.